On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Elon Musk answers many interesting questions at Tesla's annual shareholders meeting, plus tons of Elon tweets and more on a huge show. Welcome, friends. I'm Ryan McCaffrey. This is Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, episode 149 for June 10th, 2018. Daisy the Boxer Puppy sleeping next to me on the couch as usual. And my goodness, is it going to be a huge show. Uh, you already know how long this show is because it's done, edited, and, and on your uh, listening device. I'm not sure yet, since I'm just starting to record it, but I'm quite sure, looking over my notes, that this is going to be quite an epic show. I, I do sort of apologize, again, in the sense that I want to be so respectful of your time. These mega-long shows, I worry, are, are not, you know, that, that it's, it's too much for people, but I do, I can promise you, it's, it's all rock-solid content this week. Uh, so many clips... Uh, Elon said a ton of stuff at the shareholders meeting I'll get to in a second. I did want to take a quick moment real quick, though, uh, let you know a couple just housekeeping notes. One, a quick apology. If I don't sound quite right, it is because uh, I got a, a wicked ear infection uh, that seemed to piggyback off of a what was probably also a sinus infection uh, this week. In fact, it took three doctors in the span of <laughs> 12 hours. I went to urgent care with just unbelievable pain in my ear. No position, no sitting up, standing down. It was just just excruciating pain. I'd never experienced a, a bad ear infection like that before, not even as a kid. And uh, urgent care wasn't super helpful in the end. And I ended up going to my regular doctor the next morning who took a look at it and got a better diagnosis, sent me next door to an ear, nose, and throat specialist, and they actually had to do. He said, "Well, uh, y you know, I can. We can. This is a major ear infection. We can. We can get you taken care of, but you're not going to be able to fly. And I am due to leave as I record this on Friday night, as usual. I'm leaving tomorrow morning, first thing early, for E3, the Electronic Entertainment Expo. That is my uh, my day job, of course, with IGN. That is the video game industry's big annual trade show. If you're familiar with CES, maybe, a lot of you are, are probably tech fans. It's basically this CES, but for video games. And it's every, uh, every, every year this time in downtown Los Angeles. And it's, a, you know, it's the biggest week of our year, and I can't miss it. And so... <laughs> Uh, long story short, I uh, I asked you know asked the the doctor, well, what, is there anything we can do? And he said, well, yeah, I can I can go in and basically punch a hole in your eardrum to to drain it, and that'll so that when you fly, it won't the pressure won't rupture your eardrum. Uh, and he goes, well, it'll hurt, but you can do. It. I said, well, I I don't want to drive. If I I tell you, if I had my my P3D, I would have just driven. I, that would have been a good excuse to take the car, but no such luck. So, uh, yeah, it was a, it was not comfortable, but it's done. And thankfully, um, one painkiller later was all it took, I guess, to give the antibiotics some time. And uh, I still can't hear super well out of the left ear, but it's feeling much better. I still kind of sound a little, a little, um, little sinus congested. But in any case, I'm just glad this 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 happened now and not tonight, tomorrow, like tonight, which would have. I would. There's no way I would have been able to do a podcast. I just could not have sat here and done it well 
Uh, and thankfully, it didn't happen while I was in Los Angeles. So my goodness, uh, I do not wish a nasty ear infection on anyone. That is that is a legitimate pain. Uh, so I am off to E3, but the show will stay on schedule. I'll be back in time. Uh, I get back late Thursday night. I'm going to work on the show all day Friday. Uh, and in fact, I've got a little special something f- that I that I uh, prepared ahead of time for next week. It's an interview. So I know uh, so I've, I've gotten some nice notes from folks that uh, the handful of times I've done interviews, you guys uh, tend to enjoy those. So I've got one next week to help just since I won't be able to spend my usual prep time on the podcast next week. I've got that to help fill things out. I'll still have all the, the news recap, the whole thing. All right. That's enough blathering for me. Let's get right to it. The shareholder meeting was this week Tesla's annual meeting of shareholders held in Mountain View, uh, California, and it was a good one. There was a white Tesla Roadster 2020 prototype parked out front. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about that later in the show in the Ride the Lightning hotline. But Elon Musk answered uh, questions from people there in the audience, who were obviously you had to be a shareholder to get in. They also took questions from Twitter as well. Uh, you remember last week I submitted two. They did take Elon took one of them, which I was very happy to see. So, uh, what I want to just set this up a little bit is I tell you I noticed right away listening to I listened to it live and then obviously went back and and w- poured through it again later. I tell you Elon Musk really to me seemed like he was in a great mood, which is which is good news for two reasons. And number one, selfishly for us as Tesla fans and Model 3 reservation holders, Tesla customers, it means things are going pretty well if he's in a good mood. We've heard him when he's clearly miserable and or exhausted, you know? So it was good to hear him in a good mood. And number two, more importantly, just on a basic human empathy and compassion level, it was just nice to hear him happy because he. we all know how hard this guy works. And the whole Tesla team, by the way. I don't want to put everything on Elon. It's not a one-man company. But, uh, it, you know, it, really, it just it makes me happy to hear him happy. Uh, it just, it's, it's really great. So let's kick it off sort of on that note. Elon Musk talking about the love and care that Tesla puts into their cars. And, you know, another thing I like about Elon, I've said this before, but you're going to hear it in this. You know, none of the, Elon doesn't do prepared remarks. Does, he doesn't do it. Everything is from the heart. That's why he stutters. That's why he, you know, he doesn't, it's not a polished, you know, slick media trained thing. It's, it's real from Elon. You're going to hear that right here. Really proud of the Tesla team for accomplishing so much against incredible headwinds. Uh, and I'd just like to express a note of appreciation for all of our customers who bought our cars. Uh, thank you for, for buying our product. Uh, we're doing everything we can to make it as good as possible, as fast as possible. Uh, you know, I think like, <laughs> this is going to sound maybe a little cheesy, but at, at Tesla, we, we, we build our cars with love. Like, we really care. Um, I think at, at a lot of other companies, they're built by like the the marketing department and the, the finance department, and it's, <laughs> there's no soul, you know? So, like, we're, we're not perfect, but uh, we, we pour our heart and soul into, into the product, and we really care. I think it was good that he acknowledged that they're not perfect when he did say this, because I actually think it made his statement more genuine. I do believe him 100% when he said this, too, by the way. I don't think, like I said, I don't, there's nothing fake. There's nothing scripted prepared about, about Elon Musk. And I mean, look no further than, you know, remember a couple weeks ago, he sent, the, he sent my tweet out to the entire company a couple weeks ago. 
these these people at Tesla, this group of of thirty seven plus thousand people working to to build and sell and and maintain these cars, they do care a lot, and that's I think that's part of what draws all of us to this. This is not, as Elon said, these are not cars designed by marketing teams. These are these are cars with a lot of love and soul put into them. So it's it's great to see. And uh, just sort of continuing this note, here's Elon uh, discussing the dedication of Tesla's team. The, the, the dedication of the, the Tesla team has been, been incredible. Uh, and people have um, they've really been working incredibly hard to, to make the car. It's, it's, it's very difficult to become a mass manufacturing car company. Uh, no one has succeeded in doing this in, in a very long time in the United States. And even the ones that have, uh, only Ford is the, Ford's the only one that hasn't gone bankrupt. So it's super difficult. Um, so, in fact, yeah, in the, in the history of the American auto industry, it's always worth bearing in mind that only two have not gone bankrupt, and that's Ford and, and Tesla. Um, so it's... It's, it's, it's insanely hard just staying alive. <laughs> so I just want to be clear, it's really difficult. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we've had people at Tesla who've sort of worked like 60 days straight. And we had like basically forced them to go home. Like, you've got to go home, man. You, you're going you're to keel over. Um, and then you snuck back in <laughs> to, to work. You're like, damn it, we said go home. <laughs> You know, we've heard this before, but I wonder if this was a very the whole, you know the the whole only Tesla and Ford have never gone bankrupt thing. I wonder if that was maybe just the slightest most subtle dig at those uh, fudsters, as I like to call them, who continue to peddle the narrative that Tesla is going bankrupt. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but in any case, here is Elon giving a production update on Model Three. Some good news here. But the net result is, despite a lot of difficulties, uh, all, all lines, thus, uh, all, all parts of the Model 3 production system have demonstrated uh, a 500 uh, car per day capability or a 3,500 car per week capability. So, um, and, and then we, we just um, did, a, did a big set of upgrades and we're spooling out the production lines again. And I think it's, it's, more, it's quite likely that we will achieve uh, a 5,000 car a week by the end of this month. It's, it's, uh, it's like, whew, this is like, I'll tell you, the most excruciating, hellish uh, several months I've maybe ever had. Um, and a lot of other people at Tesla. But, but I think we're getting there. And so production hell is almost over, it would seem. If they actually hit 5,000 at the end of this month like they said they'd hope to, that would be huge heading into the next quarterly earnings call. Uh, next up, here's Elon t talking about the sales of the Model 3. They've already got an accolade to, uh, to rest their, their heads on when they lay down on their pillow at night. Listen to this. We're, we're doing well on market share. Um... The blue line is the Tesla Model 3. Uh, we just became, in May, the uh, best-selling mid-size premium sedan in the United States of any kind. So. so that, that that's not that's of, of any kind. So not just um, it, so it's it's 
being all internal combustion engine cars, not just uh, you know battery or hybrid or anything like that. Um, and that's despite the fact that we still offer only one version of the car. We don't all-wheel drive is coming out next month, um, and um, and then we'll have the lower cost, uh, the, the shorter range battery, the lower cost car uh, at around the end of this year. Is when we're expecting to do it. Nothing new here on either count, but hey, still good to hear him say it. Uh, he'll go into a bit more detail on the standard range battery a little later, by the way. Uh, next, here's a very hot topic for all of us. Uh, anyone who's either planning to buy a Tesla or already has one, a little bit more on Supercharger V3. Uh, we're very excited about the next generation Supercharger that is... Um, it's mostly finished in design and will go into production hopefully around the end of this year. So Supercharger Generation 3 um, will, will be a, quite a dramatic improvement. Um, but we want to save that announcement for uh, when, it, when it deploys, uh, which is hopefully later this year. Um, and then once we have that system in place, then we're going to accelerate the Supercharger expansion even more. Well, laying out the plan pretty clearly there, I think we should reasonably expect that sometime in Q4. But he also, you know, he did caveat and said, hopefully planning to. So if that slips into early 2019, let's all not be surprised. But in any case, we're, uh, we're probably six to nine months out from, from some serious supercharger upgrade action. And, and really, the other thing, too, is uh, not that, you know, this was probably obvious anyway, but that, that all but confirms there will be hardware upgrades required at every single supercharger. It's only a question of which cars on the road will be able to take full advantage. So that's uh, one key detail yet to be learned. We shall see what happens. All right, how about Model Y? A little bit of uh, semi, a little bit of roadster. Let's talk about those. Um, yeah, we've got some exciting products in the works. The, the Model Y is really going to be something super special. Um, we're aiming to unveil the Model Y uh, approximately March next year and then go into production um, about two, maybe around two years from now. Maybe a little less than two years, but basically um, first half of 2020 for production of Model Y. Uh, something similar for Semi and, and Roadster. Um, so these, these products are shaping up. I think they're, Semi and Roadster are actually going to be even better than what was unveiled. Um, we've figured out ways to, to improve the, uh, the range um, and overall functionality of the Semi. Uh, in particular, the Roadster, we... What I unveiled with the Roadster was the base model performance. Um, that's, um, <laughs> it's it's going to have a SpaceX option package. <laughs> okay. it's, it's crazy. Um, and uh, I think that it's important for us to show with the Roadster that an electric vehicle can outperform uh, an, a, a gasoline car in, in every way. So that, because gasoline cars still have sort of a halo effect, um, and I think if we can show an electric car can outperform gasoline car in every way, then um, we, we sort of get rid of that halo effect of gasoline cars. Um, and, um, and I think that's quite a powerful thing perceptually for the, for the general public. Uh, to me, the big news here is that Model Y production date that Elon gave two years from now. So 
If you were thinking about a three versus a Y, now you at least have a better idea of how long you'd have to wait for the Y. And then that SpaceX option package for the next-gen Roadster. I expect that this is not just performance, like a rocket, but I'll bet it's materials as well. Something maybe aerospace level, uh, maybe some crazy alloy that's light and strong. I'd even speculate that a SpaceX package could mean, or could include, a super cool metallic paint job. I'm talking like that $10,000 stunning silver paint job on the Model 3 Alpha prototype. Uh, there's one other piece that could be part of this as well. We'll talk about that later in the show. Okay, from here, uh, Elon moved from sort of the, uh, the, the topics that he'd wanted to address going in to taking the questions from Twitter. We're going to go Twitter questions and then the in-the-room questions. So, first, the questions from Twitter. Uh, this one is from actually one of my listeners, one of, uh, one of our Ride the Lightning friends out there, Joel Sapp, who asked Elon and Tesla about the long-term battery costs, get, get trying to get to that magic $100 per kilowatt hour uh, level and when that might be possible. So here is Elon answering Joel Sapp's question. Um, so JV, do you want to talk about the battery cost stuff? Um, sure. So... You know, it's difficult for us to talk about specific cost numbers. That's always a, a, a difficult topic, but we're we're still very confident that we have the best price and performance of anything out, out there in the world. If there's something better, I don't know about it, and we've looked as hard as we possibly can. And we try and talk to every single battery, you know, startup, every lab, every large manufacturer, we get quotes from them, we test cells from them. So if there's something better, you know, we're, we're all ears, we'd love to find it, but we, we haven't found it yet. Um, so generally, uh, yeah, we're, we're still pretty confident about the, that same direction. Yeah, I mean, we're, we think at the cell level, probably we can uh, do better than $100 per kilowatt hour maybe later this year, uh, depending upon what, on commodity prices. If commodity prices are roughly where they are today, then we'll probably do better than $100 kilowatt hour at the cell level. Um, and then... Uh, with further improvements to the cell chemistry and the production process um, uh, and more vertical integration on the cell side, uh, for example, integrating the uh, production of, of cathode and anode materials at the Gigafactory, um, and then um, an improved design of the module and pack, um, we, we think long term we can, we can uh, get below $100 a kilowatt hour at the pack level, which is really the key figure of merit for a, a car. Uh, but long-term meaning definitely less than two years. Uh, that's Tesla long-term. <laughs> <So, laughs> um, anything? I mean, yeah. Um, yeah, we, 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 think, we think we've come up with some pretty cool breakthroughs on this front um, on energy density and, and cost of the, of the battery pack. And um, yeah, I think it, it's going to be pretty, pretty great. As far as I can see. Yeah. CTO and co-founder J.B. Straubel in on that one as well. So uh, tip of the cap to Joel for getting that question uh, answered on the shareholders meeting. That was awesome stuff. All right. Uh, big news here as well. Elon was asked when the Gigafactory will be totally done and uh, 
the the uh, news on the Chinese Gigafactory sneaks in here as well. And by sneaks in, I mean Elon just pretty much gave us all the news on it. So let's talk about that. When will the Gigafactory be completely built? Uh, I think we'll keep building on the Gigafactory for at least um, four or five years. Uh, it will be by far the biggest building in the world. Um, it's, it's not that far from being the biggest building in the world um, already. And uh, based on the plans that we know, it, it, might be as, it might be twice as big as the next building in the world. Um, hence the interesting tour. Um, so it's, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's about a third done right now. Um, and um, yeah, so it's really, really, really enormous. And, and, and I think it's going quite well. Uh, there will be more gigafactories in the future. Um, we're, we're close to announcing a combined uh, uh, vehicle and battery factory. So future gigafactories will include vehicle and battery pack and powertrain as a single integrated unit. Um, and we're close to announcing something in China uh, that, um, I don't know, Roman, do you want to talk about that? But, I mean, we don't, we don't want to make an announcement. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Or maybe just talk about, uh, like, preamble or something. I don't know. <laughs> so so uh, Robin is uh, head of uh, worldwide sales for Tesla. Yeah. Thanks, Elon. Um, <laughs> I didn't expect to, to talk about this. Um, so we're, we're incredibly excited uh, to, uh, to build the uh, first Tesla Gigafactory outside of the U.S. Um, uh, in China. Uh, is specifically, uh, it's going to be in Shanghai. Um, and uh, we have been uh, holding discussions with the government, um, uh, various governments uh, in China, really great discussions, uh, great partners. Uh, we really look forward to, to, uh, to uh, working with them uh, in the years to come. Uh, this is going to be, um, you know, the, uh, the next generation of uh, Tesla factory. We're super excited. The stuff that we're going to be put in there uh, and the, the cars that we're going to be building uh, in that factory uh, is going to be incredible. Uh, so um, we we going to announce something really, uh, all the details really, really soon. So I, I won't tell more, but uh, this is enough. <laughs> all right. Thank you. It, it, particularly as we try to make cars more and more affordable, it's going to be important to um, localize production to at least the continent level. Uh, and so uh, having a, a gigafactory and vehicle factory in, in North America uh, one in China and then one in Europe um, will be, uh, th that's sort of the ob those are the obvious uh, uh, th three places for uh, vehicle and battery gigafactories. Um, so probably if things go according to plan, we'll probably be announcing details of the, the China gigafactory as soon as next month. Um, and then uh, Europe gigafactory maybe end of this year, um, kind of depending on, on how uh, the... Uh, we need to figure out where to put it exactly. So, um, but probably towards the end of this year for the uh, Europe Gigafactory. Um, and ultimately, we expect probably there's 10 or 12 worldwide. Well, they uh, pretty much just made the announcement, didn't they? 10 to 12 total Gigafactories worldwide when all is said and done. Uh, 
the Gigafactory in Shanghai that's going to do battery and vehicle production. And I'll tell you, boy, 10 to 12 Gigafactories, that sound, it sounds nuts, doesn't it? Like, that's a lot of Gigafactories. But number one, as I always say, never doubt Elon Musk. And number two, if they actually achieve that goal, that means a lot of electric cars and uh, power walls and solar tiles are, are on the roads and in homes everywhere, which would be wonderful news for all of us, for our entire planet. So let's hope that Tesla gets there. Okay, semi-truck time. Uh, let's get a little update there. Turns out, looks like there may be a revision of it in the works from, from the prototypes we've seen already. Let's hear from Elon. We are going to do another revision of the Tesla Semi design because uh, we've learned a lot and we think we can actually make it even better than what was uh, unveiled um, and, and really have a range that is uh, way beyond what people think or most people in the industry think is possible. Um, and we want to, it's definitely going to be a semi that works in Europe and in North America and China and the rest of the world. So this is interesting to me primarily because Tesla's prototypes are usually pretty darn close to their production counterparts. Whereas I think you'll agree most other companies in the auto industry end up seeing the production vehicle, pardon me, either mildly or significantly dumbed down is like a rude way to put it, but let's say scaled down from the prototype of the vehicle in at least one way or another, be it design or something else. When you look back at the history of Tesla, the Model S prototype was actually reasonably close to the production version. In fact, the production version, I think, pretty obviously was better, uh, even, even in the early days of the company there. And same with the Model X as well, uh, other than the, the folding seats. Took him, <laughs> took him a while to get that right for, for, uh, on the, for folks that were needing that on the Model X. And then the Model 3 prototype was actually remarkably close to what we actually ended up getting. Now, for the Semi, it sounds like it's going to look a bit different. The better on that remains to be seen. That'll be in the eye of the beholder. But uh, it seems like it's definitely going to have better specs, which is awesome for uh, all those companies that have already put down money and the, the new ones that will uh, be intrigued to do so as a result of this. Changing gears here, insurance costs on Model 3. That is uh, definitely a topic because... It is, uh, it is something of an issue on the S and the X with their all-aluminum bodies. So here's Elon addressing Model 3 insurance costs. So in, in terms of repairability of Model 3, including insurance costs, um, we're working with, the, with insurance companies um, and on some internal activities. Uh, but we're really confident of getting the, 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 the cost of insurance for Model 3 to be at least 20 to 30 percent uh, lower than, say, a BMW 3 Series or equivalent mid-size sedans. So um, the, the safety is definitely better, um, and then we're, um, we're working on the, the, the repair costs. Uh, we made a lot of progress in that front. But the bottom line is that the, um, the, the insurance cost, total cost of ownership of the Model 3 should be significantly better than any other mid-priced uh, premium sedan. Well, this would be great. I mean, the, the cars are definitely safer, but they have to get that repair cost and that wait time lowered so that the insurance costs can reflect the higher safety level of the car that it, uh, you know that's already got relative to comparable ICE vehicles. So glad to see that that is on Tesla's radar. Uh, how about standard battery? Is that still on Tesla's radar, Elon Musk? 
yes. <laughs> there will be, we will definitely offer a $35,000 version of the Model 3. Um, and uh, it's, I think probably at the end of this year is when we should be able to make the smaller battery pack um, and, um, and then get into um, kind of volume production of 35K version in Q1 next year. Uh, so that's uh, definitely, we will definitely honor that obligation. And we would do so right now if, if it was physically possible. I very much understand the frustration of people who are not happy about this long wait for the standard range battery, but I personally never got any actual doubt that the standard battery was some kind of myth. I mean, if you go back into Tesla's history, they actually made the $50,000 Model S that they had promised years before the production started. And so that tells me, you know, they're going to do it for Model 3, and I think they're going to sell a ton of $35,000 Model 3s. That said, I do think it totally stinks that those buyers of those cars, who many of whom have waited for two plus years, and by the time they take delivery of their cars, three years, that they're not going to get that full federal tax credit. Uh, that, to me, is the real shame in this. I mean, I understand the economies of scale that Elon is talking about, but yeah, it's it's really a shame that those buyers... Uh, will will miss out on on thirty at least thirty seven hundred and fifty dollars of the possible federal tax credit. You know, some people have asked about autopilot trial editions. Uh, Tesla has done this once or once or twice. I think maybe just the once before, and it turns out it might be happening again soon. Check this out. In in hopefully next month, offer a free trial for people to try out autopilot and see how well it works. Um, we're also uh, making rapid progress, rap rapid progress on autopilot technology. And so the, there's a, a new version of autopilot that's rolling out, I think, this week, uh, which um, I think is quite a significant improvement. And I think the, what, what, what you'll see is that the uh, reliability and capability of autopilot uh, will increase exponentially over the next uh, 6 to 12 months. It's really, the, the improvements are very, very rapid. Well, many have asked about a free autopilot trial, and here it is for, again, what I believe is the second time ever, and the first, obviously, since the Model 3 began shipping. It's pretty clear to me as well that Elon and Tesla are feeling pretty confident in where autopilot is, or maybe is about to be, in order to do this. So uh, more, by the way, on autopilot in a bit. Let's talk assembly lines now. Uh, it looks like there are some upgrades coming there very soon. Um, this is actually quite a complicated answer. There are many um, lines to the Model, Model 3. In some places, it's, there are several lines. In some places, there are, there's just one line. And it kind of depends on what the, cap the capacity of that line is. Um, so for... For general assembly, which is like putting the parts together at the end, uh, we currently have two lines and are constructing a third. Um, the, the third line is, um, I think, dramatically better than lines one and two. Uh, we started construction on, on that third line about two weeks ago, um, and we're already putting the first car through that line. So it's really crazy fast. Um, and that's part of what gives me confidence about the uh, 5K per week for Model 3. Um, 
the currently the biggest constraint on output is General Assembly. Um, and I, I think we can probably get to 5,000 a week with the current two General Assembly lines. Uh, but with the third one, I'm highly confident that we can exceed uh, 5,000 units per week. Just a neat kind of behind the curtain bit of info here. So I think he means that there are two lines total right now. The S and the X on one line, uh, I've, uh, that's, that is all but confirmed, I think. And then the Model 3 on line two. Sounds like line three is going to be a turbo second Model 3 line, from, uh, if, I'm, if I'm interpreting that correctly. All right, uh, we heard on Twitter recently about Model 3 test drives coming up. Here's Elon elaborating a little bit more on that. Oh, and then Model 3 test drives, uh, we should be able to offer Model 3 test drives starting the end of this month. Um, and I think we should have them in almost all stores in North America by the end of next month. The all stores in North America by the end of July bit is the new piece of information there. That is great news, by the way, for those of you who uh, aren't going to be getting your cars until the fall or later. This gives you a chance to get your hands on the Model 3, which is obviously something that everybody who's put $1,000 down wants to be able to do. All right, now we come to my question. I mentioned at the top, Elon Musk and Tesla were kind enough to include one of my two Twitter questions, although the second one I submitted about autopilot kind of gets answered anyway. We're going to talk, that's coming up in uh, just a couple of clips from now. But for now, here is uh, Elon responding to my query about service centers. I've said how I'm, I'm worried about that uh, as production is really hitting scale now, that that service infrastructure has to be there. Otherwise, Tesla could end up just way in over their heads uh, with, with a lot of upset customers if they can't get cars serviced, repaired, uh, taken care of in timely fashion. So uh, Elon drops uh, does drop an interesting bit of news here about just one specific way that they're going to address this. Uh, we're rapidly expanding service centers. Uh, I think by the end of the kind of year over year, we'll probably see a doubling of service center capacity for um, for Tesla, and um, we're making major progress on the body shop front. Um, we're also uh, it was quite a quite a big deal. We're we're creating Tesla uh, body shop repair uh, locations. Um, and we should have, by the end of this month, uh, uh, the, at least the top 10 um, metro areas in the U.S. Uh, being able to be serviced by a Tesla uh, body shop. Um, th this will be a dramatic improvement in the cost and time of body repair. Um, in fact, we think we might be able to do, for a lot of them, like same-day body repair, uh, which is, yeah. Um, it's definitely possible. So I think, I think we, we want to aim for at least some number of body repairs to be same day. Whereas if we go to third parties, best case, it's about a week. And in some cases, it's several weeks. Um, so this is, this is pretty exciting, actually. Um, and we're basically just taking our biggest service centers, adding in an annex uh, for body repair, and, um, and then pre-stocking uh, the, the parts so you don't have to wait for parts to come from the factory. I want to thank Tesla and uh, Elon for taking my question there, because obviously those were, there were no doubt 
collated and curated by the uh, probably the Tesla social media manager, maybe the PR team as well. So thanks to them for for grabbing my question and to Elon for answering it. Uh, to the point, I am very glad to hear that they're going to start in those bottleneck markets like the Bay Area here in the San Francisco Bay Area and Los Angeles. Um, they didn't name those specifically, but those have been two that have been cited. Uh, we've we've had calls from listeners about those. They're just some, you know, high concentration of cars in those areas. So uh, it's you know they mentioned just those top metro markets, and the idea of adding body repair annexes onto existing service centers sounds great. That sounds totally logical. That sounds like a great way to address the problem. Let's hope insurance companies don't scoff at it for cost reasons because we don't you know we don't know that side of it or any other reasons. But on paper, this is sounding like a, a positive step towards proactively addressing this. How about uh, a new sedan? People have asked before, this question comes up on a semi-regular basis. Well, will there be something cheaper than the Model 3, a, a compact car at some point? And, well, let's just let Elon talk about it. Yeah, I think we'll do a, a compact car in less than five years. Yeah. All right. Short and sweet, but there you go. This may have been the most significant piece of news that I feel like nobody's really talking about out of this call. Because Elon had previously said that another smaller car, he said this in the wake of the uh, Secret Master Plan Part 2 uh, blog that he wrote, you know, he had said that another smaller car might not even be needed with the Model 3 and the Tesla ride-sharing network, but he was pretty definitive right there. So a compact sedan appears to be on the roadmap for approximately five years from now, which would put it in 2023. You got to figure battery technology will have definitely advanced enough by then to probably get a 200 mile plus range battery pack into a smaller car. So we can call this one of two things Model 4 or maybe Model C for compact. I guess Model C would make more sense, number one, for two reasons. One, Elon has said he kind of regrets the Model 3 name because people think it's the third generation vehicle and think it's better than the Model S and the Model X, which actually in a couple ways it is, at least for the time being. But um, And so I, I think they'll go for that. And it, by the time they make this car, it won't be the fourth model. It'll be like the sixth or seventh model. So uh, I guess let's go Model C on this one for a while and uh, until, until we hear otherwise. I'm going to take a wild guess while we're at it. And I would guess five years from now, I think the price objective on on that, on a compact Tesla sedan, I'll bet it, I'll bet they're going to aim for $25,000 in in today's dollars. I guess we got to, you know, today's dollars because who knows what inflation is going to look like in five years from now. But uh, this was big news. Good to see this. All right. Autopilot. My, I told you a minute ago, my other question kind of got addressed by someone else, which is great. I had asked about, you know, what's going on with enhanced autopilot and moving autopilot definitively past autopilot one. We've mostly been kind of floating right around parity of, of AP2 with AP1. Uh, so here's Elon giving an update there. Although, again, it wasn't my question, but it pretty much got to the same place. <laughs> um, 
I was just testing that last night at about 1 a.m. <laughs> um, I, th I think we might be able to release something in, in a couple of months that can do that. Um, we've been pursuing two paths, one really complicated path that I think isn't working that great, and then a simple path that I think will work pretty well. Um, uh, I, I mean, I was able to drive last night, uh, go from highway on-ramp to highway off-ramp um, using the simplified version of, um, of the control system. And um, I think with some, with some further effort, we, we can get that out in the next couple months. I am really happy to get an answer to this, get an update. For, you know, for all the talk about the, you know, the whole enchilada, the level four coast-to-coast -coast autopilot demo, I, I've, I've been curious, and I'm clearly not the only one, about those enhanced autopilot features that I said would demonstrably separate autopilot two from autopilot one. It appears that at least some of those features are coming soon. <laughs> In fact, maybe even sooner than we think. So that is good news. We'll keep an eye on the autopilot front and see uh, see what drops firmware-wise in the coming weeks and couple of months. Uh, wouldn't be a Tesla event without a zombie reference. No, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I'm pulling that out of nothing. Uh, but the V3 superchargers, how could that possibly involve zombies? We'll leave it to Elon Musk and his sense of humor to do so. Um, yeah, I think the... We'll have a lot more to say about that when we announce the generation three of the superchargers, uh, because that we'll, we'll be doing much more of an integrated uh, solar battery system with the superchargers. So to date, uh, only a few of the supercharger systems have solar and battery systems, um, but long term we want to have almost all of them have that. And the nice thing if, uh, is that if you've got like a solar powered, kind of like a solar powered carport area and 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 Tesla batteries. Um, then even if the grid, you don't even need to be connected to the grid. Um, so it's sort of like even, you know, proof against like a zombie apocalypse, it should still work. As long as the zombies aren't too near the supercharger, I suppose. Um, but yeah, so it, 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 it'll be able to work anywhere, even if there's not good power infrastructure. Well, no surprise here. When the deluxe supercharger stations were first shown as a concept sketch on the Tesla blog, they all had solar canopies over the charging stalls. So glad to know that these zombies will not be able to bring it down. All right. Uh, how about supercharger speed increase times with that supercharger V3? What might be possible there, Elon? I wouldn't say that there's an order of magnitude improvement. Um, but I think a factor of three or four is, is possible. Um, now, the... It, it won't be applicable to all battery chemistries. Uh, so 2012 chemistry can't take the charge rate of current chemistry. Um, but, um, and we wish it could, be, wish it could but, but we just had to make a bunch of improvements to, to increase the charge rate. The, the key, um, I think, figure of merit is uh, that the ratio of drive time to charge time should be at least on the order of like uh, 6 to 1, if not 10, 8 to 1 or 10 to 1. At the point at which um, you're driving, say, 10 times as much as you're charging, then the natural sort of human need to take a break, uh, <laughs> unless you have an enormous bladder, is um, <laughs> it, 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 starts to, to, it starts to become paramount. I mean, if you start a road trip at, say, 9 a.m., typically by around noon, you want to stop um, 
you know, uh, hit the restroom, grab a bite to eat, grab a coffee, and 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 it's, you want to get back to your car um, and have it be ready to go. So, but that's where the if, like if you say that that's like maybe half an hour, that's kind of like the minimum threshold uh, for the car to be ready to go when you when you come back from a break. Um, and then if you get to the point where it's say say ten to one, where um, maybe it's only fifteen twenty minutes. Um, or, yeah, something on the order of 15 minutes, then the car is ready to go way before you're ready to go. Um, and for some of the long distance, like if you get, say, um, a Model S 100D, um, it, it could, you, you can drive nonstop from LA to San Francisco if you drive carefully. Um, that's, that's a long drive. So, um, and, and we think there's your potential, there's certainly um, opportunity for range improvements um, down the road where We'll, you know, we'll be able to offer cars with ranges in excess of 400 miles. Now, this was interesting. The increase in charging time is substantial, but it's also confirmation there that the older Teslas, he referenced the 2012 model, the original Model S's, are not going to be able to take advantage of it. But it sounds like, now I'm just inferring this, I could be wrong, but it sounds like the newer existing cars will be able to. Uh, this won't be a thing that only cars that haven't even been built yet will only be able to take advantage of. But by the sound of it, we'll see. You, you may disagree. But also, there is a 400-mile Model S. Uh, we heard that mentioned. I, I predicted that on my New Year's uh, prediction show. Well, the question is, we'll see if it hits this year or not, which is what I said in my prediction show. But it's definitely coming. So that is good stuff for, uh, for S and X. Okay. Uh, this next one was involved Franz von Holzhausen, involved Elon. Uh, there was a member of PETA who uh, I guess is also a shareholder and was asking about the the leather still used in the car, which is at this point only in the steering wheel. Uh, but that's not really what the super interesting part of this response from Elon was. Take a listen to what he says. Um, yeah, yeah, we'll definitely be uh, offering sort of, uh, as Franz says, technically, we don't say it on the website, but you can um, actually have a Tesla that has zero leather whatsoever, including on the steering wheel. Um, it's a little difficult because we do it in small quantities at the design studio, um, so it's, it's challenging to do it, do it at scale. Um, but um, uh, Model Y, for example, will will not have any leather in it, including in the steering wheel, even if, if it does have a steering wheel. Thank you. Well, Elon Musk either just trolled us all or teased us all about the Model Y because obviously no steering wheel would mean level five full self-driving, no human intervention whatsoever. If Tesla offered that, it might not be at the start of production in 2020, and it definitely wouldn't, there's, I, well, I say definitely, I'm speculating, but I feel that it definitely, that would mean it definitely wouldn't be the only configuration the Model Y is sold in. I've got to figure there's going to be a version of that car sold with a steering wheel on it. Now, it's possible that after regulatory agencies have all signed off on Tesla's full self-driving system, then there we might get a version of the Y sold without a wheel. But make no mistake, I mean, that car is absolutely going to be offered with a steering wheel as well. Still, 
extraordinarily fascinating for Elon to say that. They did also, by the way, release a new silhouetted teaser image of the front of the Model Y, and it definitely has a much bigger, flatter nose than the Model 3 does. It seems to have a family resemblance to the front of the Model X. It's going to be very eager to see that car next spring once it's unveiled, most likely down in Hawthorne at the design studio. That's where all the uh, product unveilings have taken place. Battery efficiency. Can it be doubled? Or what kind of path are we looking at for improving battery efficiency? We can certainly see a path to about a, to about a 30, 30% improvement, maybe a 40% improvement in um, energy in the same size battery pack. Um, like that's technology we are confident it does work, and it just it needs to be scaled up uh, and made very reliable. But the thirty to forty percent is definitely definitely doable. Long term, probably double. Long term, by other people's standards, um, from a Tesla standpoint, we think probably two to three years to get to about a thirty percent improvement in volumetric energy density and. Um, yeah, maybe six years or something, six to eight years to get to a doubling. It's, it's highly dependent on making um, lithium, uh, for that really big jump, a lithium anode is, is the key. Uh, just plate plating out pure lithium on the anode. It's nice to hear Elon and JB's thinking on the battery roadmap. Sounds like some seriously improved packs could be coming down the pipe in the next decade. Uh, how about improvements to the Tesla app? Well, they're coming too. We're going to keep enhancing the, the Tesla app on the phone um, and to be able to, uh, you know, long term, just tap the summon button and your car will come find you wherever you are. Um, and it really wanted to learn what you see. You, you can change the temperature right now from the app, um, but uh, we want the car to learn what you are most likely would do like basically if, if there was a if, you, if there was a great chauffeur in charge of the car, what would that person do, anticipating your needs um, and knowing uh, what what you'd want? Uh, so it's sort of um, like an an intuitive trusty steed that just always knows what you what you want, um, ideally, um, and then you can easily adjust that as as needed. Um, so you want to as be as close to like a mind meld with the car as possible. Well, we've heard that before long ago. Do I think it will eventually happen? Yes. Yes, I do think it will eventually happen. And I think it will be the coolest night rider in real life thing when it actually does. That will be super cool when some, when your car can, you can summon it to come find you from a, in a parking lot. What about Elon time? Elon time's a real thing, uh, and it's funny to hear Elon Musk himself acknowledge Elon time, like right now. Um, I think I do have, like, an issue with uh, time. Uh, <laughs> it's like, yeah. It's, it's been true since I, I, and my brother's here. I was like, uh, I, uh, I have a condition, I don't know. Um, my, my brother used to, um, like, when we were catching the bus to school, <laughs> he would lie to me about the time. Uh, <laughs> and he always always says, like, or sometimes says, like, earlier than it actually was. And then I'd get there slightly after that. <laughs> and, and then we'd actually be able to catch the bus. Um, so, I, I, you know, this is something I'm trying to get better at. Um, 
um, a sort of naturally optimistic person, um, which, other, which I would not have probably done cars or rockets if I was not. Um, but um, so I'm, I'm trying to recalibrate these, these estimates. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, try to recalibrate as much as possible. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I'll probably put some sandbag on future dates. That's probably wise. Um, but I, I, I kind of stay with say when I, I think it can occur, but then I'm t typically optimistic about these things. Um, but maybe less, op hopefully less optimistic over time. So, yeah. Like, it pretty much always happens, but not exactly on the time frame. I've said this before, but I would rather have naturally optimistic Elon and have to suffer Elon time than for him to not be a naturally optimistic person. Also, he just said what I always say about him. He does get the amazing thing done, just usually not when he says he will. Uh... Here's, let's see, what do we topic do we We got uh, one, two, three more clips from the shareholder meeting before we move on to more Elon Musk updates that came via Twitter this week. So this one is about whether or not Tesla would ever build a motorcycle, an electric motorcycle. Yeah, um, I actually used to ride motorcycles when I was a kid and I did dirt biking for know, like eight years or something. Um, and then uh, did a, um, had a road bike uh, until I was 17 and was almost killed by a truck. Um, so we're not going to do motorcycles. Well, if you want an electric motorcycle, it's not going to be a Tesla. Uh, I suppose you're pretty much left with Zero Motorcycles. And that is the name of a company, by the way, Zero Motorcycles. I've seen one up close. They look pretty cool. Uh, and I think they have pretty awesome range, too. If, you, if you're a motorcycle fan, uh, it's worth looking them up on their website. There's some, uh, there's some interesting stuff going on over there. All right, two more clips. Uh, this one is about braking being more sort of uh, human slash gradual with, uh, with regard to autopilot and automatic emergency braking. It, it does actually have... Uh, there's uh, automatic emergency braking. Um, um, and I think what you're saying is like, instead of like last minute kind of dramatic uh, slowdown, maybe slow down sooner but less dramatically. Um, and that, that, is, that is something that uh, um, will occur with the uh, latest versions of autopilot. Uh, so it will, if, if, as it will decrease speed proportionate to the, the confidence level. Um, you know, we, we, we want to do that in a way that's not annoying to people, like the car isn't slowing down um, a lot. Um, so it's, it's a really delicate balance between not annoying people so that they want to turn it off, um, but also being safe. Um, for, for autopilot, I think it's, it, the improvements are going to be really quite, quite dramatic in the, over the next several months. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the, the system is, is intended to um, change speed proportionate to its confidence. Uh, in, in going forward. Uh, but in order to do so, we had to improve the sophistication of the auto autopilot neural net um, and the heuristics that go with it. So it, it just didn't annoy the hell out of people. 
because um, there are many times where the car thinks it should slow down, but actually not, not really. Um, and, um, and that would just drive people crazy. So uh, I, I, I do think what you're getting at is something that you'll see uh, play out with the versions of Autopilot that are get deploying later this year, and including the one that's coming out this week. Well, I hope he's right. I would have to imagine that most people, I, I don't have any stats. This is, this is purely a hunch out of thin air. Uh, and then maybe with some forum uh, informal survey stuff factored in. But I got to figure most people are not ordering full self-driving with the car when, uh, at this point in time. In other words, pre-ordering it. I mean, more power to them if they do, certainly. But I imagine that if we indeed get quite dramatic improvements to autopilot over the rest of the year, then it will do nothing but increase the uptake percentage on full self-driving in the design studio by a good bit. To close here, to close the shareholder meeting, uh, here's a little bit about, again, nothing we haven't necessarily heard before, uh, but here's Elon talking a little bit about being overconfident in automation early on in Model 3's development. I think we're just overconfident about the degree of automation that was possible. Um, and um, we, we did rely quite a bit on um, tier one uh, automa- manufacturing automation integrators. Um, and a couple of those things really didn't work out at, at all. Um, and now we are, we're really going to internalize all tier one uh, manufacturing uh, systems at Tesla. Um, so we'll, we'll have a lot of suppliers, but they'll be at the tier two and tier three level. And so they improve, they learn their lessons. You know, it's funny, when you look back, in my opinion, Tesla really just straight nailed the Model S on their first try. Uh, really, they did as far as the production and, and, every, and everything about the car. And, and they really had to because, and, and I'm not even going to say that in hindsight, that we knew it at the time. The company's fate depended on that car completely. And then Elon has said they got overconfident in the X. They thought they had learned their lessons, but then overthought those lessons with the Model 3. So now we'll see how the Model Y production goes in two years. All right, that was everything from the shareholder meeting, but that was hardly all for the week of of, uh, notable Tesla updates. Elon Musk, once again, very active on Twitter. So I'm going to run you through his tweets of, of, of Tesla-related significance for the week. Uh, so this one here uh, is, uh, well, we heard about the test drives. Actually, I'm going to skip that because that's, uh, <laughs> that note from earlier in the week got updated before, uh, got updated by the shareholder meeting. So, all right, uh, here's one from me, actually. Elon was kind enough once again to reply to me on Twitter. This this one has two parts, and it it just it really made my day because part two was today. I've been kind of I've been walking around very happy today. So I asked Elon, and he was kind enough to answer another of my tweets this week. I asked if the P3D would have aluminum pedals in it, like the P100D Model S and Model X do, and I also asked if there's any update to the summon feature on Model Three. So he initially replied right away, which was very kind of him to reply at all, and it was right, right there. Uh, he said, no plans for aluminum pedals, adds too much production complexity, and then Model 3 will definitely have Summon, which will get way more advanced for S and X with hardware 2 autopilot and all Model 3 cars. Uh, so he's just drawing the distinction there, saying that it's not going to be part of, uh, it's not going to be added to autopilot 1. 
A follow-up from Elon came the next day, 24 hours later, totally unprompted. Not for, it wasn't from me. There wasn't anyone sort of piling on saying, uh, oh, you know, <laughs> nothing about the pedals or anything. But he comes back the next day out of nowhere and says, quote, talked with Tesla team. Looks like we can do the aluminum Model 3 pedal covers slightly different from S. Turning on production for Model 3 performance version. So... Uh, let me just let me start with the summon thing. He didn't really give any details there other than to confirm that it is happening, which is good. I'm glad, you know, there's there's not this feature uh, that, that really is a software feature because, of course, the threes have all the same autopilot hardware that the S and the X do. So it's they're not simply restricting this feature to the more high end vehicles via software. So that's good. But let me talk about these pedals for a second. Now, you might be thinking, Ryan, aluminum pedals? Who cares about that? That's silly. Well, I'll tell you this. Honestly, I do. I care. I am a person who appreciates little details. You know, I asked about the red brake calipers on the performance car. I, I like the aluminum pedals on the Performance S and X, if you've ever seen one, seen that they look really nice. They look super nice. The stock, just black rubber pedals on the non-performance Teslas, it's not, they, don't, they don't look bad. They look totally normal. But to me, the aluminum pedals just look a little nicer, a little sportier, maybe even a little classier in my humble opinion. So I thought I would ask Elon about it. And when he replied saying, you know, basically, no, sorry, we can't add another thing into the mix. I took that at face value and thought, okay, well, eh, no big deal. And in fact, shortly thereafter, a couple of kind folks replied to me with a, a video of some guy on YouTube showing that the Model S and X aluminum pedals, which you can buy from Tesla's online store for $150 installed at a service center or... Uh, another, those same people sent me a link to some knockoffs on eBay that look I completely identical that they're, they're $30 shipped from some, some vendor in China. So there was that. I was like, okay, well I could, if I really want those pedals, I can go one of those two routes. So I have to say, I, I was genuinely shocked when again, unprompted by me or anybody else, Elon replies to me again a day later after obviously thinking about it and deciding to implement the suggestion. This is amazing, you guys. How cool is this? Again, it's a little thing. It's just a little nice cosmetic detail to the car. But the, the fact of the matter is, my P3D and anybody else that's ordering one the car has already gotten better, and I since between the time I ordered it and the and the delivery time, which hasn't even happened yet. Sport brakes check, red brake calipers check, aluminum pedals check, and maybe even remember Elon threw this out. The the zero to sixty time might might go up a tick or two between now and delivery as well, or possibly shortly after delivery. Who knows? So. I tell you, man, this is already far and away 
the best car buying experience I've ever had, bar none. Not that I actually haven't had that many. I've only ever bought one new car. And then I had got my, my first car was a hand-me-down from my grandfather and then the DeLorean, which obviously was not purchased new. But my goodness, uh, I, you know, not to get cocky here, believe me, I, I, I don't want to do that, but I have to say, if my luck with Elon Musk keeps up, I might have to start an I Asked Elon segment every single week on this podcast. This is great. I, again, I'm just enjoying this while it lasts. I don't know how long it will last, but uh, but it's great that... Uh, how, how cool is it that he's just been super responsive and actually considering the feedback he's getting from customers? Great stuff. Uh, another bit of feedback he got from someone someone else. That was that was my thing for the week. But um, Elon was asked. Uh, Elon was making sort of these goof tweets about uh, wine jars, or, or rather, uh, like a wine glasses and mason jar. I don't know, whatever it was. But someone asked him. Uh, speaking of wine, when are we going to have the option for red in Tesla interiors? Red red interior. And Elon replied to this saying, next year. So who knows if that's just going to be on the S and the X or the three as well. But I think if you're excited about the idea of a red interior in your Tesla, I would go ahead and calibrate your expectations for now to assume that this is going to start in the S and the X and maybe eventually come to the three and just... Be pleasantly surprised if it does come to all three cars simultaneously rather than be expecting it for Model 3 next year and and be disappointed if it goes to S and the X first. Regardless, though, the red, that should look mighty interesting. I would think especially in a Model X, that's going to be the one I'm curious to see. You know, I, I wonder, because I started trying to picture it in my head, I wonder what color headliner that they're going to pair with that. And yes, I just made a wine pairing joke. Uh, (laughs) I'm thinking, in all seriousness though, I'm thinking maybe it's going to be a darker gray headliner, but not the black headliner that goes with the S and the X's white uh, interiors. And, and, you know, the the, uh, cream and and, um, I guess the black has an option for the, yeah, there's a couple different options. You know, there's, there's the light headliner and the black in the S and the X. I wonder if they would go with a darker gray to pair with a with a red interior. Uh, for this next one, I thought I would take actually just, just a quick call from the Ride the Lightning hotline. There's going to be a lot more of these later in the show, by the way. And yes, I know the show is already huge. And and again, I warned you up top, you, <laughs> you're free to stop and come back to it anytime. Again, I'm trying to be respectful of your time, but there's so much interesting stuff to get to this week. Uh, let's take a question from the Ride the Lightning hotline. Vincent has a Model 3 reservation, but is disappointed that there's no leasing option yet. So let's hear from Vincent on that topic. Hi, Ryan. Thank you for the hard work and enthusiasm that you put into the show. My name is Vincent, and I'm following up on a call from last year regarding Model 3 and leasing. I am an early Model 3 reservation holder, although I did not get my invite yet. Sadly, it seems that I will have to pass when that happens. Uh, A bit of info from the Q1 shareholder meeting that got very little coverage was the confirmation from Tesla that they won't be releasing Model 3s at least until next year. 
It is unfortunate given how Tesla wants to explore new models of car ownership and leases make about 30% of the market, but I understand that it makes more sense for the company to fulfill cash sales uh, while the production ramp uh, lasts. In my case, for tax and convenience reasons, it only makes sense to lease and my current lease is up after the summer. This is why I'm exploring uh, other options. I wanted to share some of them and also leave the question out there in case somebody has uh, other suggestions. The option that I was given by Tesla representatives from one of their stores was to just buy the car and then sell it back to Tesla when leases uh, become available. Uh, the person who told me this assumed that Tesla will have a resale program by then for the Model 3, like the one they currently have for the Model X and Model S. Another option, of course, would be to just get a different car. The Chevy Bolt or the upcoming Hyundai Kona Electric seem to offer the closest range. Uh, and of course, unfortunately, getting an X or an S directly won't work for me. Um, they are way too big for my garage. A uh, third option would be to take somebody else's lease using a website like List Trader or Swap a Lease. Uh, this will give me a few months without having, without having to commit uh, to a full-term uh, lease. And the last option that they found so far is an app called Fair. They offer month-to-month uh, -month leases that can be cancelled anytime, uh, just uh, with a five-day notice. I just wanted to share this in case you or the community have any thoughts or in case it might help somebody in a similar situation. Thank you for your time and I look forward to the new episode of the show. Tell you what, Vincent, I'm going to let Elon Musk answer this one. He actually covered it at the shareholders meeting, so I'm going to pretend that he's just answering you directly here. <laughs> Take a listen to this. Uh, we do, we will offer leasing on Model 3, but probably end of this year or early next, because it, it does have a slight impact on the capital usage of, of Tesla. Um, we, you know, in terms of fleet stuff, um, I think we, we pro, yeah, I think people can certainly buy a lot of Model 3s um, and, and then operate them as a fleet like people do for uh, Model S's and X's for taxis. Um, yeah, I think we're Certainly be happy to support that. Um, yeah. Kind of a simple follow up to that, just kind of the understood thing. If I purchase a whole fleet and then Tesla comes in and says, all right, we're going to start leasing direct to the consumer or having a commercial option, that might not work out so well for me. But that, that's why I'm asking. Is it anything commercial happening that you? have in the works in the next two years even? Well, we don't really think, right now we're just super focused on um, ramping up manufacturing of Model 3 and um, making sure people can get their cars because they've been waiting, waiting for a couple of years. Um, and we're, we're not really thinking much about incremental, incremental demand generation uh, because um, as it is, uh, even getting to 5K cars per week, we would it would take us almost two years to uh, produce enough cars to satisfy those that are put down a thousand dollar deposit. So, yeah, we need to kind of ramp to 5K and then next year ramp to 10K a week um, and get um, the right-hand drive version done um, and homologate the car for Europe and uh, Asia and. Um, you know, and then we'll think about other things once we've done all those things. Well, to me, Tesla has 
really no real reason to do leasing now, not with 450,000 or so orders on the Model 3, but no, if you if you didn't already, Vincent, that the the uh, S was this way as well when they first started offering it. Although, I suppose back then the reasoning was a bit different. They were just figuring out how to build cars, and they they just didn't have the infrastructure in place to add another variable with uh, with leasing. Now, I mean, now with Model Three, they have a good problem: too many orders. So, I hope you can find something that works for you uh, as you consider all the options you laid out in your call, and uh, maybe. Elon's timing update that you heard there uh, makes you a or helps you make a bit more informed of a decision as well. Best of luck to you, Vincent. All right, uh, three other quick things. Elon noting that those who reserved online their Model Three reserved their Model Three online after the reveal on April first. So if you've got an April first online reservation, you should start getting inv- uh, invited to configure. Any time now. It may have already happened for some of you this week, potentially. Two more quick things. Here's one about the Roadster. Elon Musk was asked, has it been confirmed anywhere that Roadster 2020 will have autopilot? I kind of assumed it will, but haven't seen it mentioned anywhere. Elon replying, saying, quote, definitely. We'll also have augmented mode, and he capitalizes that, it's a proper noun, augmented mode, that will massively enhance human driving ability like a flying metal suit, but in car form. <laughs> what, the, what the heck does that mean? What, Iron Man? I mean, do you, seriously, do you, do you guys have any ideas? Because the one thing that springs to mind here for me, uh, and I, I have suggested that this car would have this before, is a HUD, is that elusive heads-up display. But actually, saying that even... Reminds me of one other thing. Here's one other possibility I'll throw at you. Maybe there are even going to be augmented reality glasses that pair with the Roadster. Because remember, Tesla did hire that guy from Microsoft's HoloLens team a while back. So maybe that's what that gentleman has been working on. Who knows? Very interesting stuff there. And finally, the last interesting nugget of of Elon uh, wisdom that was put up on Twitter this week came as a, in a response to uh, a question asked by one of our own Patreon producers, Alexi Heft, out there uh, getting some attention, getting some answers from Elon as well. She asked about the following. She wanted to see more sensitive auto wipers in Model 3 so that the, the uh, rain-sensing wipers trigger more often, and... She wants to see autopilot read turn signals on cars in neighboring lanes to anticipate those cars merging in front of her. She notes that is the number one autopilot disengagement scenario for her. And Elon replied, saying simply, coming soon. So I'll tell you, that latter one that Alexi pointed out in particular sounds fantastic. uh, Because in places... Maybe the whole country's like this now, I don't know, but I tell you, in places like the Bay Area, where I live, and in L.A., where, where you know, it's traffic's legendary, people tend to drive very, very aggressively, and as such, people will often just shove their way into the lane in front of you, whether there's room or not. So, uh, autopilot anticipating those kinds of scenarios... Although, of course, that's contingent on a turn signal, which <laughs> not everybody uses. But nevertheless, that would be a welcome new feature. 
great to see uh, some members of the Ride the Lightning family getting uh, getting some answers from Elon this week, too. There's really good stuff. All right, I know I should probably stop here. I should probably end the show now because it's already well over an hour, but the problem is there are so many good Ride the Lightning hotline calls with so many good questions and discussion topics, and the fact that I'm gone next week and already had a special thing planned for that that I've been sitting on for a little while already. I'm going to go ahead and do the Ride the Lightning hotline. If this is just too much of your time, I completely understand you can you can stop, maybe come back another time, or you could just stop here. I and mean, that's all the news that I have for you. But there is a lot of interesting stuff uh, coming up on, uh, on the Ride the Lightning hotline that's coming up right after this. All right, let's dive right in. Ride the Lightning Hotline. I invite you to participate. You can do that in easily in one of two ways. Use your smartphone's built-in voice recorder to just record something. Please try to keep it to a minute, minute and a half tops, if you please. Uh, and you can email that file to me at the show email address, which is teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can call the toll-free Ride the Lightning Hotline and just leave a message. Again, minute, minute and a half would be great. And that toll-free number is 1-888-989-8752. 1-888-989-TSLA. Thanks to lifeonrecord.com for providing that. Uh, check them out if you want to uh, do something special for that old birthday, anniversary, graduation, some other special occasion. You know the rap. <laughs> I'm going to move on here. We've got David in Salt Lake City who uh, wants to talk about the Model 3 and the possibility of the key fob being added in addition uh, to the uh, smartphone as the key, which, of course, came up came out of that uh, whole Consumer Reports thing last week. David, you're on the air. Hey, Ryan. David from Salt Lake City. I wanted to share an opinion, and then I had a question. My opinion is about the key fob for the Model 3. Um, I couldn't disagree more with Consumer Reports that a key fob is needed. In fact, um, my friend was trying to talk me into buying a Model S instead of the Model 3, and the key fob was the primary reason why I want the Model 3 over the Model S. I really don't want to have to carry a key fob around. I know they said they might change that for the Model S, but until they do, uh, to me, the Model 3 is a superior car, and that's one of the main reasons is the simplicity of it overall. And one of the main factors of that simplicity is the lack of the key fob. So that's a big deal for me. Um, my question is related to the priority. Um, there's some talk on the Tesla forums that the owner priority um, only was used by Tesla for the first production cars, and now that they are releasing all-wheel drive cars and performance versions, owners will no longer get a priority, and that the, the um, day one reservation holders will jump ahead of the um, owner priority. Do you have any thoughts or opinions on that? Have you heard anything? Thanks for the show. Bye. Thank you, David. But but do you have a three yet, though? That's that's what I'm curious of, because the issue here is that the smartphone key has not been reliable for, for a number of folks. So Because I think we can all agree that on paper, it's the way to go. So we'll see if Tesla can iron out the problems that a lot of folks have been having. Now, as for the priority shift that you mentioned, I've heard the same thing, but I haven't been able to concretely verify it. I can tell you 
that I was invited on my own reservation to configure performance or all-wheel drive, uh, which, by the way, that, that that's going to be going to a family member now who, uh, who wants to get a, a standard battery. So we'll try and take care of a take care of a relative on that. And as so, as you guys know, I'm a non-owner who camped out and was right near the front of the line on the morning of March 31st. So, um, you know, if the, if the priority, if it is now solely by where you are online and not, you know, they've dropped the, the, you know, employee or even maybe not the employee, but even just the owner status, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, priority. Thank you. My goodness. It's getting late and this has been a long show. I'm so sorry, but if that is the case, I'm honestly, I'm fine with it. I mean, the need to reward owners, the existing owners, and quite frankly, to use them as friendlies in the event of early production issues. I mean, th- that period is pretty well over now. So I'm totally fine with the change to priority being by reservation date, regardless of ownership status, if indeed that is the case. Let's go up now to Ben in London, Ontario, uh, wants to play devil's advocate on something. So, Ben, what have you got? Hi, Ryan. This is Ben calling from London, Ontario. Just started listening to your show about a month ago, but I've been a fan of yours since uh, your IGN days. Uh, my question for you is in regards to Consumer Reports Model 3 brake testing. Since your last podcast, Consumer Reports updated their car and now fits Tesla's original braking standard, um, now actually recommending the car from their previous unrecommended statement. During their podcast, however, they played a bit of a devil's advocate with this update, questioning what if an update like this happened again but has unintended consequences. The example they used was a Jeep Wrangler in their fleet they gave an infotainment system update to that actually crashed the system, um, stopping its ability to work entirely. Do you think this is an issue we will see Tesla facing? Keep up your hard work, and I hope you get your Model 3 soon. Thanks. Thanks for your call, Ben. And hey, welcome to the podcast. Uh, You are absolutely right. You have to look at both sides of the coin here. What you propose could happen. But Tesla has not only internal software tests, but they also do limited external testing on software updates as well. With There are real-world customers out there who sign up and sign NDAs Uh, and put updates through their paces in the real world. Uh, Furthermore, software updates do roll out in waves. So I'm not saying at all that this couldn't happen, but I am saying that there are measures in place to head off a disaster scenario like this if it did start to pop up. Good call, good question from Ben. Let's go to our friend Mike in Boston, calling in from his brand new Model 3 about autopilot. Mike, what have you got this week? Hey, Ryan, this is Mike from Boston. Uh, I am calling you from my recently purchased Model 3. Um, and I was listening to your recent, most recent show uh, and about the autopilot. And I have a long commute of about 54 miles each way, mostly highway, and I have used autopilot a lot in the last week actually less than a week that I've had this amazing vehicle and it is not perfect. And I think that there does need to be uh, a video or some sort of a mandatory training um, that people need to go through. I have not ever had uh, a Tesla or an electric vehicle before or anything with this kind of technology. And I have been in situations 
so far, uh, which is early on, where if the road splits or the lane markings change, um, autopilot tries to make its best guess, and sometimes that's not the way you want to go. And you need to take over, and you need to be alert, and you need to um, help autopilot do what it does. That being said, I use it every day, commuting back and forth to work. It is a godsend in traffic, and it has made my commute almost enjoyable. Um, it is truly fascinating, and I do love it, and it does uh, help me get to work in a much better state of mind, but it is not perfect. And I do think the education around it does need to be a little more stringent in that it needs to let people know that it is not perfect. And I think the video would be helpful if it showed autopilot failing and the types of situations where it doesn't work perfectly. Uh, that's just my two cents. Uh, again, thank you so much for the podcast. I'm loving my Model 3. I'm planning on going on a road trip from Boston to Pennsylvania this weekend, and I can't wait to visit my first supercharger. Uh, the experience in this car has just been phenomenal. Take care. Keep up what you are doing because this community is amazing and you are a big part of it. And I thank you so much every week when I listen to your wonderful podcast. Take care, Ryan. And I hope you get your car soon. Bye. Thank you for the kind words, Mike. Also a shout out to Jeremy in New Zealand who called in with, I'll tell you, almost the exact same points and sentiment as you hear, Mike. In fact, that's the thing that actually jumped out at me from both of your calls, was that you both suggested that Tesla show a video of what autopilot can't do. I think that's a really smart idea. I feel like most companies would probably scoff at that because they would never show their product not working as intended. And, I, and for all I know, maybe Tesla would be like that too. You know, you have to swallow your pride as a company to do in order to put something out there like that. But if anyone can set pride aside for the good of the whole, I think that Tesla is capable of that, in my humble opinion. And I think this is an excellent suggestion, and I hope that Tesla, that someone at Tesla is listening so, so that you know a move like this could help to head off that whole tipping point to a, bad, a permanent bad reputation that I talked about as a thing that I was afraid of last week. Next up, let's go to Jeremy in Columbus. Wants to talk a little all-wheel drive on the Model 3. Let's do that with Jeremy. Hey, Ryan. It's Jeremy from Columbus, Ohio. Um, I reserved my Model 3 on April 3rd. Uh, actually, April 2nd, so just a couple of days um, after the Model 3 reveal. Um, and what I really want is a uh, dual-motor red Model 3 with white interior, but I don't want performance, and I do want the uh, long battery. So um, it seems like uh, the dual-motor option is coming July. Uh, we already know that uh, the red paint is only $1,500. The big battery is $9,000. 
Um, it seems like the premium package is still mandatory. Um, even though I would like to not have the premium package. But the reason why I'm calling is because I'm wondering how much do you think the white interior would cost on its own as an option? Right now, the only way you can get it if this is bundled with the performance model three. And I'm just trying to look ahead and figure out how much money it would cost me to get the white interior all on its own without performance. So let me know what you think. Thanks, man. Bye. Thank you for calling in, Jeremy. I have seen this topic pop up in forum threads as well. So I want to take a minute to go ahead and address this. I will say that I am extraordinarily, basically as confident as I can be without actually being a Tesla employee, I am extraordinarily confident that the white interior is going to cost $0 more than the black interior will. Now, you know, I already ordered it in the performance package, but again, we don't know. That's in the performance package. You can't really pick and choose certain things, but they're not charging for it there. So there's that. I mean, it it is going to require the premium package. Yes, obviously. The cuz the standard the standard batter or the rather just whenever they get around to offering uh Model 3s that don't have the premium package, those are going to have presumably textile fabric seats. Uh, so uh, don't expect white to be an option there. But the thing is, it, it's sim- as I said, it's simply a choice on the performance model right now, black interior or white. Uh, and, it, and it will be when, te- uh, when Tesla has enough interior parts, white interior parts, t- to uh, expand that offering to non-performance cars. Uh, just quite frankly, white's not going to cost a dime more than black. It it doesn't on the S or the X, and it won't on the 3 either. Again, uh, I can say that with as much certainty as possible without actually being a Tesla employee. So I hope that helps, Jeremy. Next up, we've got Tyler in Toronto. Just got himself a Model 3 and has a feature suggestion, which I uh, think a lot of people might be on board with. So Tyler, talk to me. Hi, Ryan. This is Tyler calling from Toronto, Canada. I'm a big fan of this show. It's my first time calling in, but I'm also a big fan of the work you've done on IGN. Thanks for being a great voice for us gamers and mutual Tesla owners. I'm really happy to have someone that has common interests. My question for you is this. I picked up my Model 3 this weekend. I love the car. Fun to drive. It's pretty much everything I've imagined, but I have one gripe. When you use the nav feature, I find that the route directions are just a bit too far to see when you're driving. They're on the far right-hand side of the screen. Now, I don't like to have dictation when I'm driving. I don't want some robot telling me what to turn and how to turn. But I think it'd be great if we had the option to move that dialog box over a bit to the left so it was next to that instrumentation dash with all the speed, etc., just to make it easier to see. Just curious to see what your thoughts are on that. Uh, thanks for doing the show and looking forward to calling again in the future. Thanks. Tyler, welcome to the podcast, and thank you for your call. You are not the first person to raise this concern and give this feedback, which tells me that A, it is an issue, and B, because it's been raised by a number of folks, it's probably on Tesla's radar. Now, don't take that for granted, though. Uh, We'll do our part here with the podcast. Maybe, again, maybe somebody from Tesla is listening. But another thing that you can do, go ahead and submit the feature request in your car As mentioned on last week's show, hold that voice button, say bug report, and then leave your feedback clearly and concisely. I am confident that we are going to see this change sooner rather than later because 
Your your point is so totally logical. I I actually have a similar bit of feedback, and I don't even have my car yet. I mentioned this before, but last time I was in Michael from Milbray's car, I reported back here on the podcast about how the backup camera has improved drastically. It's much, much better, particularly with the car in motion, because as I've told you, I like to use it as sort of a blind spot monitoring device before I'm changing lanes. Well, turns out currently you can't have the backup camera window up and interact with the media controls on the screen at the same time, even though the minimized bar for the media player would fit right in the spot underneath the camera window. It's like, ah, let me, let me use it. So I'm hoping that by the time I get my car later this summer, that we'll be able to, that'll be rectified. We'll be able to have the backup camera window up and use the media controls on screen at the same time. But uh, Tyler, I would very much encourage you to use that bug report feature. Let's get that in Tesla's ears one way or another. Next up, Gil down in San Diego. I feel like, I'll tell you, San Diego represents strongly on this podcast. I feel like every week there is at least one call coming out of San Diego. In fact, the next two calls after this is Quinn from San Diego. So uh, shout out to San Diego, which by the way is a city that uh, I really adore the handful of times I've been there. It is just a wonderful place. Gil in San Diego also got his Model 3 fairly recently and has a, has a bit of feedback about it himself. Let's talk to Gil. Hey, Ryan. Gil from San Diego. Really enjoying your show. I received my Model 3 about a month ago. I've gotten about 1,200 miles in. One thing I had mentioned to Elon that I uh, suggest uh, you'll find when you get the car is when you open, uh, when you're, we have passengers in the car, uh, the manual uh, door opener on the passenger side is way more intuitive than the button for most people. And so I've had a number of people to get in the car and then before I'm able to tell them, no, use the button, they use that manual uh, gate open and all of a sudden uh, I get that warning, like stop using the manual unless it's an emergency because you're going to break the door. So I suggested to Elon to maybe make it a little less intuitive uh, as a, in, in some future uh, model upgrade when they, uh, when they change anything on the interior because that's just one of those things I cringe every time it happens. Love the show, uh, and uh, look forward to hearing how you like the car when you get it. Great to hear from you, Gil. Though I obviously don't have my three yet, and my own experiences with it as such, I have read enough accounts from owners to be able to state this opinion. I think Tesla may have gotten a bit too cute with that inter- interior door release button. Uh, it seems, from every everybody I, I'm reading about, that you have to explain it to Literally everyone who ever gets in your car, unless they're a fellow Model 3 owner, uh, which you obviously don't have to do in 99% of other cars. And yes, I have the exception to that rule right here ready for you. Uh, I would sometimes in my DeLorean have to explain how to work the interior door handle because in that car, you know, it's a gullwing door. It was on the it was on the sort of armrest part of the armrest rather than up on the door panel. And you had to pull up on the, on the door release lever rather than having it be on the door panel and pulling it towards you like most other cars. So uh, anyway, that aside, I think with the Model 3, making that emergency manual release lever less obvious wouldn't hurt. But I think my personal plan heading into getting my car is to just try and get in the habit of mentioning the exit process really, just really quickly to, to 
anyone who gets in my car right at the beginning of the drive, like right when we get in, just be like, you know, they're closing the door. So they're sort of already, their hands already there. It's like, okay, just by the way, there's a button right there. That's what you push to get out. But that, you know, they figure that way I'll just plant the thought in their minds right away to try and avoid, maybe avoid an awkward exit scenario uh, at the end of the drive. As, as Daisy the Boxer Puppy, you've been sleeping through the whole show, pups. She's finally up getting a drink of water, but she's going to be going back to bed real quick. I got to get to bed soon, but not before two more quick phone calls. Uh, as I mentioned, we go back to San Diego with Quinn, who wants to ask some stuff about model why, which has been a topic this week. Quinn, go ahead. Hi, Ryan. Quinn from San Diego again. And I'm hoping that you may be able to tell me more about the model Y. Price, expected range, similar style car size-wise out there. I know a lot of it is speculation right now. The reason I'm asking is because I'm six foot five, and when I sat in the Model 3 at the Tesla store, it felt a little low getting in and out without the smart air suspension. I figured... With my anticipated invite to configure the Model 3 in the next few months, probably, I should maybe make a decision about configuring a Model 3 or holding out for a Model Y. But waiting brings also the loss of the federal tax credit, which brings me to my second question. I read in a story that several lawmakers were trying to raise or get rid of the 200000 car cap. Do you have any information on that to share? Thanks a lot, Ryan. Love the show. Thanks for your call, Quinn. As you noted, it is all speculation at this point, but for now... I think we have to go with what we've been told, that the Y is to the X as the 3 is to the S. So expect more headroom than the 3. Expect a slightly higher base price. I personally doubt that all-wheel drive is going to be standard on the Y uh, like it is on the X, but I do still think the car is going to cost a bit more because it's going to be a bit larger of a vehicle. Um, I would also expect slightly less range. I can't, you know, it's going to be heavier, uh, could be a little less aerodynamic. So I would expect that as well. Again, all those same comparisons, all those same things that we see on the comparing the S and the X now. And I would absolutely, by the way, to your other thing, I would absolutely count on the federal tax credit to never come back. Once it's gone. Am I saying that that's 100% guaranteed? No, of course not. I, I certainly don't know. None of us know for sure. But the fact of the matter is there has been no substantial inertia on any movement for that to, to give me any optimism that lawmakers are going to consider extending it or, or making it permanent. I mean, I'm sorry to be pessimistic on this one, but again, there th there's just been nothing concrete to suggest that anything about the, the current program is going to change. I mean, remember... Just six, seven months ago, it was barely spared as it is now. It was barely spared in that 2018 budget that the U.S. Congress passed. It only, it wasn't going to be there. And then it finally ended up there in the, in the you know, uh, the sort of revised, compromised version. Our last call this week, last but not least, the honor goes to Jonathan in Montreal, who uh, makes an interesting observation about that I mentioned at the very top of the show, the shareholders meeting earlier this week in Mountain View, sitting out front was a white Roadster next-gen prototype. Uh, and Jonathan, with some keen eyes, noticed something interesting about that car. Jonathan, tell us about it. Hello, Ryan. This is Jonathan from Montreal. Um, this week, we saw some pictures of a white Tesla Roadster. And I don't know if you noticed, but the wipers are really weird because... 
first of all, there's two, but they're right in the middle of the hood, of the, of the windshield at the bottom, and they're actually one on top of the other, as if there were double wipers doing the same job. I don't know how it's going to work. I wanted to know uh, what you thought about this, how uh, the wipers work. And also, um, I saw that Ben Sullen talked about some uh, SpaceX package. So what do you think uh, this would be? I'd like to have your thoughts about this. Hey, thank you for your show. I love uh, listening to you every week. And I can't wait to hear you uh, talk about uh, your Performance 3 uh, Model 3. Thank you. Have a good day. Great to hear from you, Jonathan. I covered the SpaceX option package earlier, but yeah, let's talk about those wipers. I mean, uh, first real quick about that white prototype. To me, from looking at all the pictures, it was tough to tell if it was a working prototype or a rolling mule. I think that it was a rolling mule because the windows in it were super, super dark, indicating to me that there was nothing inside. Uh, and so I kind of wonder, I wonder if this is a new or different mule or if they repainted the gray mule that was at the unveiling event with the semi. Anyway, uh, good eye on you, Jonathan, because I hadn't noticed the windshield wipers. So thank you for pointing that out to me. And, and now that I look closely at it, I wonder if each arm of it, because it's like, it's like two windshield whopper, whopper, windshield wiper arms sort of. Uh, almost fused together, but but not totally connected. Not in there. They are two separate pieces, and then there's one wiper blade. So I wonder if those, if each of those arms just bends in just the right way to allow the wiper blade to make an even horizontal pass across the windshield. I'm not sure though. I have to say I am not sure. I suspect though that it is a function over form kind of decision with these wipers because you're dealing with a hypercar that can do zero to 60 in less than two seconds and top out at over 250 miles an hour. I'll tell you, actually, now that I say that out loud, that maybe that double arm is literally to keep the wiper blade from snapping off the car and flying away. I'm dead. I'm now dead serious. I actually genuinely think that it might be, uh, a, a, a basically a, a, defense a protection for the uh for the for the wiper system i, I think that could very well be the case but uh, excellent call jonathan that's a that's a really good thing to point out uh that's all the calls for this week's podcast again i encourage you to keep them coming i did want to mention real quick here too the june patreon exclusive bonus episode for the folks supporting me at the $10 level or higher on Patreon, that went up late last weekend. Uh, so again, if you're if you're in the $10 zone or higher, please go ahead and take a listen to it. It's the biggest episode yet, longest one yet. The callers, I'll just read some names so you know uh, if you're in there. The callers include Martin from Hamburg, uh, Najem from Miami, Greg from Lexington, Christian from L.A., Antonio from Lake Elsinore, Mike from Boston, Mike from Bowling Green, Adam from Ottawa, Will from Seattle, Sean from Queensland, Lawton from Chicago, Alex in Wisconsin, Jim in San Diego, Andrew in San Diego, uh, Matorshin from Toronto, and Brandon from Seattle. A lot of interesting topics covered on the that bonus episode over on Patreon. All right. Let me take another quick breather. I'll come right back, quickly wrap things up for you 
on what has been uh, probably one of the longest episodes ever of this show. I'll be right back. All right, before I go, don't forget about Immaculate Reflections, one of the Bay Area's premier detailing solutions, new car delivery prep, premier paint correction, uh, C-Quartz Finest Reserve ceramic coating, paint protection film, any of that, some of that, all of that, whatever you want to do with your new Tesla to help get it looking its best and keep it looking its best for many, many years to come. You can learn more at irdetailing.com. Dot com. You can also find them on Yelp and Instagram uh, on, on as uh, immaculate underscore reflections on those on either of those websites there. Uh, Abstract Ocean, they've got plenty of fun gear, lighting kits uh, for either the interior or exterior. Those you know, little LED lights like license plate stuff and uh, all the interior lighting, just you know, brighter uh, in some cases, many folks think better interior lighting, those puddle lights that are super popular, the tempered glass screen protectors, all kinds of stuff. Find it at abstractocean.com. And if you're a first time customer there, you can get 20% off of your order by using the coupon code RTL podcast at checkout. RTL podcast being all one word. If you're buying an S or an X, you can get uh, Patrick's, my cousin Pat's referral code on there, which will get you free unlimited lifetime supercharging, and who wouldn't want that on their Model S or Model X? So the code there is PATRICK5008. Give that to your sales advisor, or if you're doing it online, type in ts.la slash PATRICK5008, and that will take you to the design studio with that free unlimited lifetime supercharging baked into it. I would be mighty grateful if you would take a look at the Patreon page for this show, uh, that is uh, a thing I've got up there. Of course, as I've said, it's always it's purely voluntary. You'll always get the show every week. But if you do uh, see fit to support me, uh, I would sincerely appreciate it. All the info is there. It's patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. Uh, and that, of course, brings me to the Patreon producers the super kind people supporting me at the $20 level or higher each and every month. Uh, they're all awesome. Let me start with a shout out to our newest Patreon producer, Jared Brown. Jared, thank you so much for your support. In addition, we've got Jeff Bartram, Paul Hussey, DJ Harbaugh, Pete White, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassiopo, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Matthew Para, Michael Lester, Robert Maracle, Jason Chalukas, Emotion Rentals, Richard Ouellette, Tim Hyde, Marcus Mayenshine, Lee Sweet, Lars Hoffman, Orion Coates, Peter Chalet, Harold Plug, Kenneth Martin, Michael Callahan, Rome Strack, David Vakil, Ulrich Lassa, Luke A., David Kittle, Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Luke Miles, Stefan Joris, Gabriel Soleil's, uh, and as I mentioned, the uh, latest one, Jared Brown, thank you all so, so much for your support. If you are uh, not subscribing to the podcast, that costs you nothing. The reason to subscribe is that so then it just downloads to you automatically every time a new episode is released. You can subscribe for free on any of the major podcast services, including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, 
tune in. Of course, the, it, as, if you're getting a Model 3, the, the, this podcast is in there. It's built in via TuneIn. Go uh, check it out in your car. We're also on Spotify, which is cool. Uh, or there's always the podcast hosting site where you can pick up the RSS feed uh, or individual episode listens and downloads. That site is teslapodcast.libsyn.com. Libsyn spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. That's it for me. Again, uh, two quick apologies. Number one, if my, uh, well, number one, if the, if you found this show to be way too long, I'm sorry. Again, I want to be super respectful of your time. I, I, this was a huge week though. I hope that I used the, the time efficiently and wisely. I feel like I did I feel like there was just so much information, so much good stuff to talk about this week. But in any case, again, no, just know that I am, it is top of mind. Your time, the value of your time is top of my mind. And then the other thing, uh, again, I just want to apologize for my voice. I can hear it. I can hear it. It's super nasally. And I don't like that. I don't, I don't like when it sounds like that. So uh, I'm sorry you just had to listen to one of the longest episodes of the show ever with me having a, a stuffed up nasally voice. But in any case, uh, I thank you for hanging with me if in fact you made it this far. Thank you all for your continued support of the show, whether you're on Patreon, whether you're just listening, whether you're leaving a review on iTunes, whatever you're doing. Uh, like I said, just, just you being here really, really means a lot to me. This is, it's been such an exciting year in Tesla so far, and it's only just getting started. We're about to hit that 5k ramp. We're about to get the all wheel drive versions, the performance versions, standard battery after that, uh, model Y reveal after that. It's just, it's, uh, the, the fun never stops in the world of Tesla and Elon Musk. So for a, uh, half asleep, half awake. No, she's asleep again. Daisy, the boxer puppy. I'm Ryan McCaffrey. Happy electric motoring, my friends. And I will see you next week with a, uh, a special interview segment that I hope you'll enjoy. Take care.